Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Good morning and welcome back to the program. It is the Michael Duke Show broadcasting live across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or translator and around the world at MichaelDukeShow.com on the internet. Hello and good morning to you. How are you for this Tuesday morning? Just another beautiful day here in paradise and uh, we are ready to uh, rock and roll and get into this today we of course it is tuesday which means we are going to be diving down into the into the deeps we're going to get down into the deeps it is the deep dive of the weekly top three uh with our friend brad keithley from alaskans for sustainable budgets he's going to be coming on board and talking with us about, uh, well, all the stuff that's fit to print. And we will uh, take a look at that with him here shortly. And we will uh, uh, we'll be uh, diving into the questions that are important, including the possibility, the real possibility, of a 50-50 PFD. Will there be a, will there be a 50-50 PFD or is it just... Is it just too much money for us? Are we just going to be make are we just going to be are we making too much? Is that too much for us? So that'll be the first thing and then we'll talk about uh, you know why working on this PFD problem piecemeal seems to really be doomed and why a lot of the people even uh, some of the uh, folks on the uh, fiscal policy working group feel that way. We'll talk about that and a last piece we're going to talk about is the latest on the campaign finance rules, and what does that mean for us as well. So this is all coming up here today on the program, and we look forward to uh, hearing from you uh, this morning, and uh, we'd love to hear what you guys have to say this morning. So uh, let's, uh, let's, let's jump into this and start talking about this stuff, shall we? Um, and, of course, in Hour 2, Chris Story will be joining us, the man from Homer. He'll be coming on board and being part of it with us to give us our weekly life coaching lesson, our weekly life coaching lesson from Chris Story. So this is uh, this is the plan anyway, and that's where we're going to run out and uh, and start with. So we appreciate you guys uh, being part of it with us and coming on board and joining us, and we look forward to we look forward to participating. In hour two, we'll open up the phone lines uh, as part of this. And you guys can uh, can all be part of it as well this morning, as we uh, as we get started in hour two. So some of the headlines. There's some interesting headlines here uh, that have gone on. First and foremost, yesterday the Alaska House sought to uh, basically censure um, Representative David Eastman uh, from from the legislature. 
Um, he, of course, uh, has been widely noted that he was a member of the Oath Keepers, which started out as an organization that was dedicated to protecting the Constitution and upholding people's oaths to the Constitution and everything else. Uh, but as uh, you know, as of late, it's come under fire. It's now labeled as a far-right paramilitary organization, with some of the members being charged with seditious activity in relation to the January 6th attacks uh, and riots at the Capitol. Now, Eastman has not been accused of any crime uh, and has denounced the charges that he's seeing in the legislature right now as politically motivated. Members of the House Majority Coalition has been considering for weeks whether uh, uh, Eastman's membership in Oath Keepers violates the Alaska Constitution. Um, and so they talked about expelling him from the House, which was, uh, I mean, that's a pretty big deal. Now, let me just say this, uh, first and foremost, back in the day, um, I i mean, I uh, followed Oath Keepers and what they were doing. I never joined the organization, but I followed the writings of many people who were working there and everything else. And again, my interaction with them was basically from a bunch of people who were very patriotic, who believed in, um, who believed in, um, um, uh, you know, protecting, protecting their, uh, um, their, their constitution and doing everything that they could. I mean, that that was their thing. It had nothing to do with overthrowing anybody or doing, you know, of course, again, this is back in the day. This is, you know, 10, 11 years ago when I first heard about Oath Keepers. And maybe things have changed. I haven't really been uh, I haven't really been uh, following along, so to speak. But if he joined apparently about twelve years ago, which is about the time that I first became aware of Oath Keepers. And so, if he supported that organization with those beliefs, I can see that. And you know, he says he's a life member, which is usually one of those things where you pay a one time fee and you're a life member. That's what he's considering. He didn't. I, I guess I'm just I'm I'm trying to scratch my brain and wrap my head around this. This is no different than somebody becoming a life member of an organization early on and then later on having the whole um having the whole organization change around you. And I guess you I guess you can denounce or renounce your lifetime membership on something like that. I don't know how you'd go about doing that. But anyway, they wanted to expel him from the house. Now expulsion, according to James Brooks over at the ATN uh, ADN would require 27 votes in the House, a supermajority vote in the House. Um, and the, but the majority coalition only has 21 members, and it would require at least six of the 18 other members of the minority to, to do anything about it. And the, and the support just isn't there. So instead, they have decided now to remove him from committee. So there's going to, uh, they're going to have a committee on committee uh, meeting. They did yesterday. And they voted five to two to strip him of his committee assignments. Um, and that's going to go to the floor. Only 21 votes are needed to confirm the committee's actions. But uh, Eastman objected, saying, you know, look, he's on the ethics committee, which is required by, I believe it's by statute, that he would need, uh, he would need 27 votes to be removed from the ethics committee, not 21. So he basically made an objection and said, You've got to separate these two votes. You can't have me. You can't include the ethics committees on that vote. And so they took a break, blah, 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 valid point of order. 
And now they've decided that the committee on committees must revote and send a new plan to the full house with it broken out into two separate votes, apparently. So he's going to remain a member of the committees until now. Um, I mean, I just think this is a, this is a point of people like Bryce Edgman and Neil Foster and Kelly Merrick and Chris Tuck, all who voted for his removal from the committees. This is just their way to basically virtue signal, right? I mean, this is all virtue signaling and shaming and cancel culture because they want to hang something on uh, Eastman at this point. Uh, Kathy Tilton and Laddie Shaw were the two no votes on that um, uh, vote. And I think Laddie Shaw um, said it best. He said, um, uh, well, first of all, uh, uh, Kathy Tilton said, I stand behind the fact that we have no evidence. We have no guilty convictions of wrongdoing. Shaw went on to say, I'm not going to put guilt before innocence. Not, that's not the way it works. I don't have 100% certainty that can, he committed any wrongdoing. And Shaw himself draws the line between the members of Oath Keepers who were indicted in mid-December and the organizations itself. He even read from their bylaws, which uh, the, one of the key phrases was, we will not make war against our own people. We will not commit treason. We will defend the republic. And uh, so, I mean, this is, you know, again, this, I think, is a lot of cancel culture, woke politics, virtue signaling by certain members of the legislature who are, uh, you know, basically on a witch hunt. Look, I don't agree with a lot of the things and the stances and the way, I guess more the way I agree with a lot of the principles and the ideals, but I don't agree with the way a lot of times that Representative Eastman does business. But this is a ridiculous railroading and, and uh, you know, kind of a, an assassination of his character. Um, but I guess that's, that's how it is. That's how it is. So uh, anyway, it's, it's, just another, it's just another chink in the wall, right? Another brick in the wall there of, uh, of separating people out uh, one side to the other. Uh, some other big news here. If you've been following along with the Senate race, uh, kind of exciting to see. Senate candidate Kelly Shibaka raised $1.8 million in 2021. That, according to Must Read, is the number she's going to file with the FEC today. And at this point, um, she's raised more than any other candidate opposing Murkowski had raised in the entirety of the 2016 election cycle. And it appears she raised more money than any other candidate uh, opposing Murkowski at this stage in 2010. She had nine months to raise the funds. Uh, 55% of her donations came from Alaskans. And in the fourth quarter, that surged to 64%. I mean, she's been running the race of her life. She's been running hard since announcing and hired a professional campaign team for in-state and out-of-state help, and she's helped uh, spend a significant funds to help her with name recognition. Uh, but she's going to uh, she's going to continue to move on. Right now, she only has six hundred and thirty thousand remaining in the bank, but raising one point eight million dollars that's nothing to sneeze at. Murkowski ended the third quarter with more than $3.2 million in cash on hand in her campaign account after raising $4.5 million uh, in the first three quarters. She's got some power. She's got some horsepower. She's got, uh, and of course, she's got a lot of help from the middle of the road, business as usual Republicans in the, uh, in the Senate who are her colleagues. So we're going to see, we're going to see how this works. The, of course, the Alaska Republican Party 
voted overwhelmingly to endorse, to, uh, endorse Chewbacca as the candidate of choice and voted decisively to censure Murkowski and ask her to leave the party, which she's not done. And, of course, with the open jungle primaries and everything else, this is going to make things really interesting. Uh, still, um, uh, some rumors that Senator L.V. Gray Jackson may jump into the race, but um, that is eh, probably not going to happen. I think would, you know, I think it would, uh, I think it would, uh, I don't think that that would happen. But good news for Kelly Shibaka. I mean, it's 1.8 million bucks. Uh, not a bad start to the race. Speaking of endorsements, Wayne Ogle, chair of the District 8, which is formerly District 29 down in the Kenai uh, Republican Party, announced that the Kenai District has endorsed uh, Charlie Pierce as the Republican governor candidate for Alaska. And uh, that was uh, through unanimous approval. And um, that's uh, that's that's kind of a I, I kind of like it. I kind of like to see it. I like to see more qualified candidates in these races than anything else. All right. <clears throat> well, we're uh, getting ready to jump back into it here. Brad Keithley is going to be joining us in a moment. We're going to uh, get things started with him. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Luke Show continues. Your home for common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. Back with more right after this. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes on Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like, America used to be streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, uh, we're in the break. No, I tried to start Facebook this morning, and I even avoided playing the theme song. And uh, Facebook would not start. I started. To, I started the thing twice. I don't know what's going on. I don't know if I'm in a timeout. I haven't been notified that I'm in a timeout. I don't know. I just, I don't know what's going on right now. I have no idea what's happening uh, other than, you know, they must be upset with me or something. Uh, Is it going to, can I, can I pay on a page you manage? Can I paste it over here? Uh, today's show. See what happens when I try and post it to Facebook. Um, profile is not linked to a delegated page. Profile should always be linked to a delegated. Okay. No. <clears throat> Whatever's going on, they don't like me over at Facebook. I don't know exactly what I've done, but, um, they just don't like me at all. I don't know why. I don't know what I did, but apparently I made the social media gods mad somehow, and uh, that's where we're at. So I'm going to um, post the, I'm just going to post it. Didn't even write anything, just posted it. Look at that. Boom. That's uh, today's show. All right, well, let me, uh, Twitch is working just fine. Exactly. Uh, Facebook put me in jail for six days for a comment in June of 2021. Yeah, I don't even know what's going on at this point. 
Um, let me, <clears throat> let's see, better make sure that my Facebook stuff is, uh, all working here. I don't even care about that. Do I care about this? Hey, look at that. I got that to work. Okay. Let me see if I can get Brad, uh, Keith Lee on the line. See if we can get Brad up. Good morning, and- Mike. Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm doing good. Let's see if I can uh, send me some video. Turn you, off, turn you off over there. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> You're in Anchorage today. I, I don't tell anybody it's a secret, but yeah, that's where I'm hanging out today. You uh, you got up early. I did. In fact, I got up at 345 this morning. It was a fun and pleasant journey. Not really, but I mean... Hey, look at that. Look at that. Why is, can I not, why did it change the view to just show me the enter never new calls? There we go. Look at that. Look at that. That's what I wanted right there. Now, let me see if I can get it to capture it on the, uh, um, why is it doing that? Okay. Let's see if that, let's see if that works. Does that, no, it's just showing a black screen because it freaking hates me. Um, <laughs> swear to God, swear to this is the Lord. That's this is highly highly technical stuff here. Don't tell anybody. All right, look at that. I got it. I can put this over here. I could squeeze this window down here. Uh, okay. I think I I think I got it now. Yeah, this is highly technical stuff. Don't attempt to do this at home, people. It is. <laughs> Not a good thing. All right, Brad Keithley joins us this morning. Oh, yeah, I don't know what's going on with Facebook. Facebook is fundamentally broken at this point. I just, it won't ever, it either starts and stops or it doesn't even start at all. So, I mean, who knows? They they may be mad at me for some reason. All right. I got me a drink well, of water. You know, it could, it, it, and it could be something you did months ago. Could have been something I did. I actually got tagged one time from something I'd done two years prior. Like they they flagged me for something. I'm like, you people are crazy. You did, and it was so and it was so stupid. It was just such a stupid thing. Um, all right, Brad, you ready to uh, to dive into your stuff and talk about all the the good stuff this morning? I am. I am. Good. All right. Well, I and, don't. And 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 hopefully we'll get through all three this morning. I I think we're gonna we're gonna shoot for it anyway. We're 20 seconds out, so hold the line for me. I'll be right back to you. Don't go anywhere. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Folks, uh, subscribe and hit the bell. Hit the subscribe button, ring the bell, share this on social medias. I've already done it. You could share it yourself. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Here we go. Okay, welcome back to the program. Getting ready to continue now. Start things off uh, for the uh, for the first uh, for the first go around here. Brad Keithley, our first deep dive here in the month of February. Brad Keithley from Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets joins us, and we're going to uh, jump into all this good stuff and talk with him about it this morning. Starting right now. Uh, good morning, Brad. How are you? 
Michael, I, I, I hadn't focused on the fact it's the 1st of February. Good morning. It's, it is. If I know it's like as I get older, it's like, wait, wasn't it just December? No, wasn't it just October? No, never mind. Uh, it just keeps going faster and faster. Well, Brad, let's uh, let's dive into the weekly top three here. And you're going to start off this morning with some, well, I don't know if it's good news or bad news or just news news, but this uh, this idea of the POMV 50-50, it seems like some of these jokers just feels like, oh, that's just way too, the peasants shouldn't have quite that much money this time. We shouldn't raise their expectations. We should give them what we deem to be fit, and they should not expect more than a single farthing than we give them. Uh, am I stretching it here or what? You're doing your best Scrooge imitation. Yes. No, I, you're not. You're, you're not. Uh, you're not stretching it, and and it's bad news. Um, there is an article uh, that Andrew Kitchenman from uh, Alaska Public Media did that's uh, up on the uh, KTOO and on the Alaska Public Media uh, websites uh, about uh, about the current uh, fiscal situation. What's what's starting in the legislature. And it's got a quote from Bryce Edgman, who, because he's rules chair and because he's the de facto speaker of the House, uh, is, is an important quote. And it says this, Edgman said, this year's dividend will lead to political pressure for the future. And that creates expectations we need to grapple with in ensuing years, depending on whatever we do with the permanent fund dividend, he said. And I want to point that out because that's what drives what happens in this building. And it has driven what's happened in this building for some time now. This, to the, the critical part of this, this year's dividend will create expectations that we need to grapple with in the ensuing years, depending on whatever we do with the permanent fund dividend. What Bryce is saying is we can't, even though the money's there, even though using, even though with oil prices up and, and with the governor proposing to use uh, 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 federal COVID relief funds to, as he can, to help or as the state can to help supplement uh, uh, general revenues. Even with the money being there, Bryce is suggesting that they shouldn't uh, uh, make the dividend quote too high uh, because it will create expectations and political pressure for the future. And I just, I that, that's sort of a stunning statement. You shouldn't comply with the statute. You shouldn't comply with, uh, with, a, with a use that, that the legislature is not repealed. Uh, you shouldn't comply with the use that, uh, that, that's in the statute um, because it may raise expectations of future years. And the concern that they have in future years is when the federal money's gone, when the COVID relief money's gone, and if oil prices go back down, as the futures market tells us they will, that they're going to be stretched in in terms of of uh, balancing the budget. The only reason uh, Dunleavy's budget balances is because he uh, he assumes a a, a very very low uh, inflation factor in future years. So what they're concerned about is not having enough money in future years, and that using Bryce's statement or 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 looking at Bryce's statement, that's beginning to drive what they do on the PFD this year right uh, and uh, and beginning to drive them down you you can see other statements other legislators have made about oh we should be for example Stedman uh, that we should be saving money we should be putting money in the bank that, that you can't rely on this year's oil prices to continue uh, and so we need to be replenishing savings and those are all variations on the theme of yeah we got the money 
yeah, you know, oil prices are up and yeah, we're, we're able to use COVID relief funds to, to offset to some general revenue spending. Yeah, we got the money, but, but we don't want to spend it uh, on PFDs. We want to put it to some other purpose. This is a legislature who's not had the votes to repeal the PFD statute, but they're nevertheless, you know, in, in, in bits and pieces, they're nevertheless all saying, a number of them are saying the same thing, which is, Yep, statute's still in the books, but we don't want to comply with the statute, and so we're going to, you know, come up with various budget tricks to uh, uh, to put that money someplace else. And we definitely don't want to give them enough money that, oh my God, the next year they may have expectations, and that makes our fight to take back more of the PFD even harder because we've given them a big one. They'll they'll cry because we got to cut it back to a smaller one next year if we give them a big one this year. That's essentially it's not what he's even saying. A- it's not even a big one, Michael. I mean, the statutory PFD this year, uh, 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 this coming fiscal year, uh, based upon the, the Permanent Fund Corporation's own analysis, the, the statutory PFD is somewhere in the neighborhood of $4,000. What Dunleavy's proposing is a PFD in the neighborhood of, what, $2,500? Something like that. Uh, yeah. u- using POMV 50-50. And, and Bryce is calling even a 25, and, and Bert and others are even calling a $2,500 PFD a big one. Um, so it's just, I mean, w- what they've done is they've become locked in on, on this thought that, that they shouldn't give any more than, than the average PFD that's, you know, that, that's, that's accrued over the years, somewhere in the neighborhood of $1,500 to $1,600. And that should be their cap as opposed to whatever the statute says or, you know, whatever uh, uh, Dunleavy has proposed in terms of POMV 5050. It's, it, it, they're entirely wiping a statute off the books um, that they can't repeal. They don't have the votes to repeal, but they're entirely wiping it off the books by just ignoring it. Well, they're basically saying, this is our slush fund. We shouldn't give any more than we have to out of it, and we shouldn't raise any expectations that they should get any more of it than we deem necessary. I mean, this literally is the ultimate expression of the politician's disease. We know better than you. How to spend your money, you poor, poor, pitiful children. We will tell you what you need. I mean, am I wrong? No, no. Even in a year, even in a year where I, nobody can come up, nobody can come up with the argument that we don't have the money. That's not the argument this year because they do have the money. The argument this year is, well, we don't want to do it this year because that means you'd expect it next year. You'd expect it in future years. Or we don't want to do it because we want to create this savings account so that so that we can continue spending in future years right. uh, if oil prices if oil prices go back down. Even though we have the money, even though the statute says it, even though we don't have the votes to repeal the statute, we, we we're not going to we don't want to give you the money uh, uh, because we want it for uh, we want it so that sixty one of us, sixty legislators plus the governor, can decide who benefits from that money in the state as opposed to you know, 600, 650,000 Alaskans who would otherwise receive it being able to decide uh, who benefits from that money. Well, don't worry, Brad. They've got it all covered. They know better than us. They know how I, we should take it. Yeah, but it's just, it. it, it is, it is. Infuriating? You know, I want to use the word outrageous. It is infuriating, but I want to use the word outrageous too, because it's, if you don't have the votes to repeal the statute, then, then do something like the statute tells you to do. Hashtag, uh, hashtag follow the damn law. That's what it should be. That should be the hashtag. Follow the damn law right now. If you're not going to, like you said, 
the the court said they could they could they that they didn't have to follow it, but they should repeal it so it doesn't sit there on the books because it just looks bad at this point. But they know they can't get the votes to change the law. So yeah, it's a uh, anyway. Bryce has given away the given away the the deal uh, uh, going into this legislature, which is yep, money's there, not going to do it. Uh, at least the House isn't going to do it. Uh, and if the House doesn't, it takes both of them to do it. So if the House right. isn't going to do it, uh, then we're uh, then we're up. Even though the money's sitting there, even though this year the money's sitting there, they don't have the claim of we can't we don't, can't afford it. We don't have it to spend. Even though uh, the money's sitting there, uh, they're trying to avoid it. Well, again, the most interest the most interesting thing about that whole discussion of what you just said was the fact that they basically admit that they just don't want to raise the expectation of the populace that they should see these dividends for coming years because as you said they want to put it into savings and they want to they want to bogart it uh for the future. And you know, we don't we, you know, we just we just don't want to do that. We don't want to create expectations that we have to grapple with in ensuing years. Um wow. I mean that that if that it, doesn't interfere <laughs> Go ahead, I'm sorry. No, the interesting use of the 1960s phrase. <laughs> yeah. But uh but but it's accurate. I mean, they 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 want to. I mean, they they want to keep that money for themselves, yeah. as opposed to just distributing it to Alaska families. Yep, it and is. It's, I, it's just. I mean, it's the piggy bank. I mean, that's what they want. They want it. They want true. it. They want it to be their puddle of money and nobody else's. Which leads us into number two, Brad. The fiscal policy working group recognized that we had to deal with this stuff holistically. That we couldn't peek it apart a piece at a time. I mean, that was the that was the consensus of all these conservative, liberal, centrists, everybody that was a part of this. It was a unanimous thing that said we have to deal with it holistically. We can't pick it apart a piece at a time. And nobody's paid attention to that. Yeah, there was an editorial uh, in the Anchorage Daily News over the weekend by the permanent fund defenders. Joe Geldorf uh, uh, wrote it. Uh, Juanita Casilius uh, uh, co-wrote it. Um, and and the, the crux of it comes down to this. It says, Alaska's citizens and their dividend must be addressed first, not government spending, taxes, or any other issue related to solving the fiscal situation of the state. In a lot of my discussions with about the PFD with various people, non, non-legislators, uh, outside the legislature, it, that's the position that, that, that many take. We deal with the PFD first, and then we'll deal with the other stuff. And as, as you and I have talked on the show a number of times. Uh-oh. I think we lost Brad. We might have to, uh, we might have to uh, hit the break for a second. Uh, we're close enough here. What we'll do is we'll go ahead and we'll... We'll uh, we'll kick the break and we'll be back in just a second. Brad Keithley will be our guest. The Michael Duke Show. Don't go anywhere. We'll return in just a moment. You're home for common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. We'll return with Brad Keithley right after this. We're 
are broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Well, let's try and call Brad back, shall we? That was uh, it was uh, it was disappointing. Let's see if we can get Brad back on the phone. Brad back on the horn on the blower. <clears throat> you with us, Brad? Mm-hmm. There we go. Hello and good morning, Michael. I'm here. Are you here? <laughs> I'm sorry. No, I'm it's sorry. okay. It wasn't. I don't it know wasn't, what happened. It wasn't you. It just all of a sudden Skype locked up. I uh, <clears throat> we may need to move this over to uh, we may need to move this over to another platform uh, other than Skype. Maybe Zoom or something will uh, will treat us a little better. Skype seems to be um, well squidgy is the word that I would use at this point, but uh, that's where we were. Uh, I had your picture. Now I've <clears throat> there you go. Now I got your picture again. So uh, you were just starting off with that before you locked up. So when we come back from the break, we will. Uh, We'll jump on this, Brad. Um, Great. I uh, and I didn't mean to try and steal any thunder from you in the last segment, but I got to tell you, I am rapidly reaching that point in my life where I'm looking at this and I'm seeing that everything comes back to that arrogance of the politician that somehow, some way, they know better than you how to spend your money, run your life, do the things, and that really is just the epitome of it to me. But I mean, that that, that really is the problem. They feel like they can't trust Alaskans to spend their money, to budget their stuff, that the money needs to be in government hands because government does better than the private citizenry. I mean, it's all this. It's just it, it's it infuriating is the word that I use, because that's how I feel. I feel like every time you hear these guys talk, you're getting the proverbial pat on the head at what a good little boy or girl you should be in listening to them. Yeah, and 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 the thing that's the thing that's even more infuri- infuriating about it, Michael, is they've got a statute that tells them what to do, right? And and they can't repeal it. They don't have the votes to repeal it. They claim yeah. they conflicted it by another statute, but you know, as as I've shown time and time and time again, there's not a conflict between the two. They just there's there's a law on the books that was passed by the body back in the 1980s. They don't have the votes to repeal it now, but they just continue to ignore it. That that makes this even worse. It's not it's not just we know better how to spend your money than you do. It's and we're going to ignore a statute, ignore a statute uh, that's on the books that we can't repeal. We're going to ignore a statute uh, in order to continue to do that. Right. Exactly. Well, and that's exactly the thing is that we know better than you, but we we ignore the law at the same time um, and have no and. And and I don't see I don't see any of that changing with the with the players that we have in there right now because they're all part of that old guard. I mean the Bryce Edgmans, the Stedmans, the Von Imhoffs, the Stutes. I mean these are people that they want everything to continue in the lane that it's going right now. As you said, they're setting things up for the fights in the years to come. They know that this PFD battle, and I think that they're intentionally stringing the PFD battle out so that they won't lose access to that pot of money. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, they're stringing the PFD battle out until people will give up. Yeah, and that's that's basically what's going on year by year by year. And now and now even a year where they've got the money, where they don't have the ability to claim 
oh, there's no money to do this. Even a year where they have the money, they're uh, they're they're going to string it out. Yeah, no, they're gonna they're gonna do it, and they just it's um, it's it's again infuriating is the word that I'm using, but uh, um, it's it's just right. Uh, again, follow the damn law. That should be the that should be the hashtag that everybody's running right now. Uh, it's either that or change it. Change the law. They know that there's no political will to do that, and they know that if they get into that fight, they'll lose. And I think that's uh, <clears throat> that's that's the important part. Um, all right, uh, Brad, we're yeah. about we're about a minute and a half out here, minute and forty seconds out. Uh, any other thoughts you want to wind up number one with? Since we were jumping to number two, and either there's a significant delay or I've lost Brad again. Your network connection is poor. Your network connection is poor. Well, <clears throat> let's see if uh, it's going to reconnect or not. And it looks like it's probably not going to reconnect. Wow. Um, okay, we'll try this one more time here before we before we get up to it. See if we can get Brad Keithley back on the line. We've only got 15 more minutes. Come on, baby. Come on, baby. Give it to me. Give it to me. Technology. What are you going to do? Technology. We'll see if Brad's going to, we'll see if Brad will uh, jump in with us here in just a second. Give us a call and we'll get things uh, ready to uh, rock and roll here. Folks, if you haven't uh, shared this video, would you do so for me this morning? And uh, if you uh, if you uh, would hit the subscribe button and ring the bell, that would be uh, that would be the perfect way to do it. <clears throat> Either way, uh, we would love to hear from you. Give us a uh, give us an email. Send us a shout. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. Let's uh, let's do this thing. Here we go. Well, technology uh, technology has foiled us this morning, and uh, we're working on this. Let's uh, we're going to hear back from Brad here in just a hot second as we uh, get things moving on here. Give us a give us a second here, Brad Keithley. Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets has been our guest. We were just talking about whether or not the POMV 5050 was an actual deal and if we were going to get it. And uh, the the answer to that is probably not. Brad Keithley joins us again here as we continue. Unfortunately, via phone, we lost the Skype connection for some reason. So we're going to pull Brad in by phone. 
And we'll continue on the weekly top three, this time uh, talking about number two, which is the question on the the holistic approach to fixing the PFD, Brad. There is an op-ed in the Anchorage Daily News uh, over the... I'm sorry, what was that, Brad? Well, Brad is, of course, nothing works this morning. Nothing works. Uh, we'll uh, we'll try we'll try this again here uh, one more time uh, with Brad. Uh, let me see if I can bring everything back up. Wow, it's just a it's just a train wreck of a morning. You with me, Brad? Okay, so we're gonna have Brad try one more time. And uh, and if not, I don't know what we'll do. We'll figure something out. Uh, um, for some reason, hmm. Well, um, there we go. Okay, are you with me, Brad? Hmm. Well, okay. I don't know what's going on, but uh, something is fundamentally broke. So we'll have to uh, we'll have to do this the uh, we'll have to do this the old fashioned way. Uh, we'll try, which is weird because it's not really uh, uh, is really not the uh, not the the old fashioned way at all. The old fashioned way was that Brad would be here in the studio with me, uh, but then we got telephones, and now we're going to have to uh, try. Uh, we'll have to try Skype one more time for some reason. I mean, everything is fighting against me this morning, so we'll see what uh, we'll see what we can do here. See if we can get Brad. Uh, oh, he's going to try on that one right here. Let's try this over here. Good morning. Good morning, Mike. This is Mark. Okay. How are you this morning? Good, Mark. I'm going to put you back on hold because Mark just reminded me. Um, Mark just reminded me that we can. Uh, that we can uh, we can do something a little bit different with Brad here. So we're going to get Brad Keithley uh, back on the line here, uh, and we're going to try it on the uh, um, we're going to try it on the regular phones. How about that? Instead of the hotline, we're going to get we're going to get that uh, we're going to get that going on. Uh, let's uh, take a look. Brad, uh, Chris Story is going to be joining us in hour two this morning, and we're going to be um, we're going to be uh, going over your weekly. Uh, uplift or positivity lift your life coaching lesson and we will hear from uh, we'll hear from chris we'll also take some calls tomorrow on the program we're going to be joined by um mike shower and then on um on thursday we're actually going to get a chance to talk to uh sus edmondson and vance briggle from uh bivy and bivy stick we're going to talk to them about the genesis of that and how and how all that uh, how all that got started that should be a uh, that should be a, an absolutely fun time to get kind of some ideas um uh you know uh, to get some ideas of where this whole thing uh got started with Bivy how the, what was the genesis of that and um <clears throat> how did uh, how did that thing come to pass and uh from what i understand it's a pretty exciting uh Pretty exciting story, so we're going to dive into that and uh, talk about that on Thursday. And then on Friday, of course, it's Firearms Friday, we're going to uh, we're going to be talking about firearms and gun goodness and working on some guests uh, from guests from Reason, and I'm still trying to get David Caudrea 
to come back and join us. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll we'll see what uh, we'll see if we we can see if we can get him back on board and uh, talk about everything that's coming up. So that is the uh, that's the story, and I'm sticking to it. We're going to uh, we're going to work on that, and uh, we'll see what comes up on Friday. Uh, all right. Well, let's. Let me try, I'm trying to. Uh, I'm trying to get uh, Brad back on the line. This is like this is like dancing with a, a hot poker all the time, and all all over your hands and and doing everything at once. Trying to talk and type and click and chat. This is radio at its finest, folks. I don't. I just. I can't. I can't say anymore. This is radio at its finest. Uh, luckily, I had plenty of coffee this morning, and I'm feeling. Uh, I'm feeling pretty good about everything. Uh, we'll be bringing Brad Keithley back here in just a hot second. Nick Baggage's campaign fundraising shows that he's a legitimate contender for the congressional race, or so says Suzanne Downing over at Must Read Alaska. Um, he announced today that his campaign has raised $300,000 in the fourth quarter alone. And uh, I think that is a, uh, that's a good sign that we've got a potential contender. Uh, like I've said for many years, I think that we need to be moving. Uh, we need to be moving away from um, uh, from Don Young, uh, since that you know he needs to be passing that baton on to the elder statesman. We'll get into that story here in just a minute. Let's go over to the phones and see if we can pick Brad Keithley up. Good morning, Brad Keithley. Hello, Brad Keithley. My God, I can't make. I, you can't make this stuff up. I mean, everything's working, and then nothing works. If it's not one thing, it's another. All right, Brad, number two. Uh, sorry about that. Number two, uh, the holistic approach to fixing the PFD. Go. It's all you. Yeah, here's the deal. So in, in an op-ed over the weekend, uh, the permanent fund defenders, uh, Joe Geldorf and uh, Juanita Casillas, uh, wrote an op-ed uh, defending the PFD as they should. Uh, but they included... It, they included a sentence that says this, Alaska's citizens and their dividend must be addressed first, not government spending, taxes, or any other issue related to solving the fiscal uh, situation of, of, a state, of our state. I've, I've had conversations with people outside the legislature about the PFD, and that's very often the position they take, uh, uh, that you deal with the PFD, then we'll deal with everything first. That's not how politics works uh, in a situation like this. I mean, it's what we would like. It's what would. It's what those who focus on the PFD uh, want. Uh, but it's not how politics works. And and there's no better evidence of that that when that when the the legislature formed the the fiscal working group and included legislators from the left, the center, and the right. Uh, ben Carpenter, uh, Mike Shower, Shelley Hughes uh, were on uh, were on the committee. Um, uh, Mac Prox was uh, was an alternate. The conclusion of that effort, which I think was a very good effort, laid out a great game plan going forward. The conclusion of that effort was this: the fiscal policy working group believes the legislature must pass a comprehensive solution. Fiscal policy working group members do not support addressing only one or two issues to the exclusions of others. The fiscal policy working group believes addressing these issues as a comprehensive solution solves not only a fiscal challenge, but a political challenge as well. That's the reality on the ground. Right. We're either going to solve all these issues together in a comprehensive package, or we're not going to get any of them solved. 
And, and I think the, the problem with those who focus on the PFD first, you know, give me my PFD and then we'll talk about other things. The problem with those who focus on the PFD first is they're using up energy that would be, better be served trying to get to a comprehensive solution, a, a, a solution that could pass. I mean, we're just, we're just, when we focus on only the PFD, give me my PFD, and then we'll talk about other things, we're, we're just, we're diverting the issue off in a way that's not going to get to a solution. It's satisfying for the people who discuss it, it's satisfying for the people who want to bang on the table and, you know, hold their breath and say, my way or my way or the highway, right. but it's not going to get us to a political solution. It's not going to get us a PFD. Well, and I think this goes back to what I was saying earlier, that there are members of this uh, cadre and they're the business as usual cadre who definitely want to string this out. They want to pull it apart one piece at a time because they know that nothing will get done if we only take it one piece at a time. And so they'll be able to continue. They, I mean, they, they, you know, we keep saying, well, the permanent fund is taking up all the oxygen in the room and that's the one thing. And, and we're fighting about it every year. And they're like, yep. And that's how we like it because then we could still take it. Then we could still decide the issue is never, is never finalized. It's always in doubt. And that's how we like it. Yeah, that's a great observation. I mean, those who are those who are taking the position PFD first are actually working in concert with those with Bryce and others who want to, who want to string this out, uh, who don't want to get to a comprehensive solution, who want the cutting PFD cuts uh, to be the only solution, uh, who want to you know redirect that money into the general budget. So they're coming at it entirely different ways. I mean, I mean, those who want to you want the PFD first. Are, are legitimately and truly trying to defend the PFD. Bryce is not. But the end result is they're ending up in the same place, which is not putting together a package that addresses, as the, as the fiscal policy working group said, as Mike Schauer, Ben Carpenter, Shelley Hughes, Mike Prox all said, it's not addressing the politically uh, achievable solution of uh, putting together a comprehensive package. Yeah, no, absolutely. Brad, we're down to the last minute. Give me your final thoughts on number two here. Well, number two is we, we've got it. People need to spend their energy on what's politically achievable. And what's politically achievable, as the Fiscal Policy Working Group uh, set out, is a comprehensive, uh, comprehensive package. That's where we need to focus our effort, not on I want my way first, and then I'll, and then I'll consider what everybody else wants. All right. Well, Brad, thank you so much for coming on board. We'll talk uh, about number three over the break, uh, but I appreciate you coming on board and sharing the first two with us anyway. Thanks for coming on board as usual. Michael, as always, thanks for having me. All right, folks, we got more coming up. Hour two is dead ahead. We're going to talk with Brad over the break, and then we're going to take some phone calls on the other side. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty-based, free thinking radio. Well... Nothing like an unmitigated poo parade to make your whole morning just work perfectly. I don't know. Man, I got to know my phone here doesn't work all of a sudden. My hotline doesn't work and you're I couldn't get you back on Skype. And I mean, Lord knows what's going on. But hey, Brad, we finally got you through on the phone line. So that's uh, the important part. Let's talk about uh, let's let's talk about number three, which is the uh, campaign finance rules. Uh, you wanted to dive into this a little bit. Talk to me about this. What's uh, what's so important here? So there's a, there's an article that uh, Nat Hertz did in the ADN, um, and and the headline is "Without Action from Lawmakers, Triple the Cash Flow Can 
triple the cash can flow into Alaska campaigns this year. And it's about the the consequences of the Ninth Circuit decision that essentially uh, set aside throughout uh, Alaska's uh, long-standing uh, campaign finance or campaign restrictions on uh, on state uh, state election campaigns. Some people think that's okay. Some people think unlimited money coming into the state and the state campaigns, governor the governor's campaigns and the legislature campaigns um, uh, is okay. The federal campaigns are still governed by the federal rules, so that's not that's not an issue. What we're talking about. Are the are the state campaigns? Some people think that's okay, but I got to tell you, I'm I'm very concerned about this and very concerned about what money can do, especially in the context of the open primary ranked choice voting uh, uh, situation that we're going into. There was a there was a um, uh, an article in the New York Times over the weekend. Uh, the headline of was uh, what what we've learned about dark money. And one of the conclusions is this, dark money is driving a privatization of politics, funding ads, voter turnout, and lawsuits, things once left to campaigns and parties. One entity on the left, the 1630 Fund, spent $410 million in 2020, Oof. more than the Democrat National Committee. And, and this article goes, goes into great detail talking about how it's Democrats, frankly, who are using the dark money opportunity uh, to begin to drive campaigns. We frankly saw that during the during the uh, uh, the, the ballot measure on ranked choice voting. Right. Uh, uh, we saw a heck of a lot of, of of progressive money come into the come into the state st- sitting behind that. As you said before, as we've talked about before, Alaska is a cheap date. It doesn't it doesn't take much money to begin to influence elections in Alaska. And opening up the campaign finance rules or opening up the campaign finance limits in the way the Ninth Circuit has done, uh, I think uh, uh, portends uh, very uh, um, problematic things going forward uh, for, uh, for the state. And and I see that, you know, we were talking about that, that there's actual conversations and tapes of them discussing this uh, whole ballot measure, too, and everything else, and they're likening Alaska to a cheap date. I mean, that's essentially what they said. They could spread just a few million dollars around the state and get something like this pass. And uh, and and that's that that's exactly it. We saw that. I mean, seven million bucks spread around a, a, a state of seven hundred thousand people. They got their they got their referendum passed or their ballot measure passed, and now they're going to use that as a yardstick to go to other states and do the same thing. Well, not only other states, but come back into Alaska. I mean, I I, uh, I think you can see a pattern that there's additional money that's going to come back into Alaska in the governor's race and in the and in the legislative races. Frankly, to me, this is as important an elections issue as anything that Senator Shower has got on his agenda for uh, Senate State Affairs. I think this issue, getting the, I mean, the Ninth Circuit said the, the rules we had uh, weren't constitutional, but it didn't say any rules aren't constitutional. And, and other states have rules that, that limit their financing. And so I, I think as important as anything else that Mike Shower is looking at right now, he ought to be looking at campaign finance limits and reinstituting, reestablishing uh, reasonable, uh, consistent with the Ninth Circuit decision, reasonable campaign finance uh, rules going forward.
Well, I, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, when you look at this and you realize that a lot of this money, and that's one of the interesting things is the ballot measure two did that, that nobody really noticed was they opted out. Ballot measures can still collect. Un, they keep talking about how we're going to take dark money out of politics with all this dark money we're spending. And oh, by the way, ballot measures in the future, they're exempted from all these dark money regulations. So you could still, I mean, again, it's just, I mean, nobody bothered to look at the fine print. Yeah, and and you know between that and the Ninth Circuit decision, I think we've got a we've got a, a situation where we just opened ourselves up to a, a substantial influence of, a, of of you know unlimited campaign finance. We're taking we're taking the choice out of people's hands, and we're putting it in in the hands of those uh, with money. And as we've talked about on the show before, those with money don't want uh, PFDs. They want to convert. Uh, uh, the the permanent fund dividends to uh, to their purpose by by avoiding taxes. So yeah. I think it's just a I think it's just a, a a very bad situation that that the Ninth Circuit has set up by by taking away our campaign finance. We can put new restrictions in place, and I think that uh, the Mike Showers uh, State Senate Affairs Committee ought to be putting that on the agenda as high as anything else uh, that they're looking at for election reform. Uh, Brad Keithley is our guest. Final thoughts here, Brad, 40 seconds or so. Well, um, I, 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 it's going to be an interesting session with uh, with the legislature. I think they, I hope that we continue to press forward on the PFD, but we've got to do it uh, in the context of, uh, of an overall comprehensive solution. We're just wasting effort if we keep going down the PFD first and then we'll consider the other stuff uh, uh, approach. Well, I, I and I and I'm hoping that uh, I'm hoping that more Alaskans uh, are paying attention to this, and uh, and you know we'll we'll see that hopefully we'll be able to to make people wake up and change their minds. Brad Keithley, thank you, my friend. As always, it's a pleasure to speak with you. I apologize for all the technical stuff this morning. I'm not sure exactly where the problem lies, but it's probably with me. So I I, I apologize. But thanks for coming on board. Michael, as always, thanks for having me. No problem. We went back to old school. That's right. We went to old school. That's how we do it. Old school is the new school. Thank you, my friend. Here we go. Hour two. Put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. The Michael Dukes Show. It's the last Now, Michael Duke Show on your home for Common Sense Well, hello and welcome to Hour 2. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. It's what we try and do every day right here on the Michael Duke Show. We appreciate you being part of it today. <laughs> this week, man, already, this week can just go straight to the 
Dickens. I mean, this is just crazy around here. Uh, we've had a few technical issues this morning, but we got it all squared away. We just finished up with a weekly top three with Brad Keithley from Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Uh, you can catch that later on in the broadcast uh, by uh, going and uh, subscribing to my podcast. The podcast is available every day uh, on CastBox and Stitcher and Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Google Play. And, of course, the big one is... And the easiest one, to me anyway, Spotify. You can find them all on Spotify as well. So tune in, and if you missed anything with Brad, you can go back out there. Or you can watch the, the replay on YouTube. Uh, we're still broken from Facebook. I think they hate me right now. I don't know what's going on, but we'll we'll figure something out. Um, coming up in this hour, Chris Story is going to be joining us, the man from Homer. And he's going to be talking about – he actually sent me a text this morning. He's going to be talking about uh, how to invest – like a millionaire, five tips that will take you to the top. So I don't know if that's invest metaphorically like a millionaire or really literally like a millionaire. I mean, either way, I'm good to talk about it. So Chris Story is going to be joining us here in just a few moments. Meanwhile, we're going to take some phone calls. We're going to talk about some other headlines. And uh, I, I, I ditched a couple of calls earlier because I was putting Brad through the regular phone system instead of the hotline. Uh, and so now we'll go back to the phones and we will uh, – we will hear what you, the listener, has to say this morning. We'll start off over here. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Yeah, this is Ray near North Pole. Hello, Ray. What's on your mind this morning, sir? Hey, we didn't vote that uh, governor in for a 50-50 split. He can stick that split where it fits. That's not what we want. <laughs> and uh, as far as these uh, wormy liberals go, what the, what the legislature needs to do is the Republicans, the conservatives, the constitutionalists, the libertarians, they need to reach across the table to these criminal liberals, grab them by the nose or the ear, whatever fits, drag them across the table and put some hair and blood on the wall and give them a good old-fashioned Alaskan ass-whipping because that's what they need to get plumbed up. We want our permanent fund, full permanent fund, that's all I got. But. Well, Ray, I appreciate it. I mean, I would never be one to call for violence. But again, that's one of the reasons why I could never be a legislator, because I probably would be tempted to push somebody's nose in a little bit over something like this. But I agree. I mean, I think we need to I mean, I not the violence part, but we need our full PFD. We need to get, you know, and again, this condescension, this idea that somehow we can't give them a we can't even give them a 50 50 PFD because that will you know, that will give them false hopes and expectations and they'll rise above their station thinking that they deserve more than they actually do. They deserve exactly what we say we're going to give them. That's what they deserve. And nothing more, not a penny more. We decide, not they. <sighs> Peasants. I mean, that's right. I mean, is it me or is that exactly how they're feeling on this? 433-3150, the Pivotel call in line. Give us a shout. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Randy in Fairbanks. Good morning, Randy. What's on your mind? Well, I'm holding in my hand my PFD check, uncashed. It says here, you know, it's a State of Alaska PFD Treasury warrant. It says it's for $1,114. I have not yet sent it back, but listening to your show yesterday, you had a legislator on, and he gave me kind of some more ideas about what I'm going to say in my letter to the Department of 
revenue when I send my PFD check back. But he was talking about the ports of Alaska, and uh, I think he also talked about some rail expansion and such. And um, one thing he said several times, something to the effect that we don't really have enough money to do everything we want to do in those regards, but the port, you know, affects not only Anchorage, but it also affects Fairbanks. You know, everything flows in through that. So if we need more work on the port, I think what I'll say in my letter when I send my PFT check back, in addition to the fact that we need to put some money into the Kinnick Arm Bridge, we need to put this limited amount of money into the port. And uh, people talk about the PFT should be first. I think it should be first and last. That's why I propose a royalty amount to first, you know, right at the start of the session, give the people the royalty amount, 12.5% of the 5% draw, and then when I say last, at the end of the session, if there's any surplus after they've done all their dickering and figuring out, you know, how to fund the Connect Arm Bridge and everything, if there's some surplus left over, use a legislated expansion clause that says that the PFD shall be more if there's a surplus, and add more to it and then the final sum of the pfd will be as much as we can get <laughs> yeah of course that's again assuming that this legislature will ever have a surplus unless oil is at 150 dollars a barrel and they can't spend it fast enough that's the only time they've really ever had a uh, a surplus randy let me ask you a question would you be in favor uh-huh. of uh would you be in favor of the state paying uh, all the royalties, instead of the 25% royalty going into the fund, would you be in favor of the state paying the royalties directly to the people and then taxing them for the state services that they have? No, I wouldn't because all that would make a hellacious uh, bill to the IRS when we get that big chunk of money. And uh, uh, and I don't like the idea of a state income tax unless we need it. You know, I'm not against taxes if it's needed. You know, lots of states have taxes. you got to have taxes for services. But I'm a hardworking guy. I work outside. I'm a yard worker, you know, and I'm working the cold. I'm about to go to work today, and I work, you know, hard for my money. I'm trying to pay off my credit cards, by the way. I'm getting closer to paying off one of them. I'd be glad when I can call Dave Ramsey and say, I'm debt-free. You know, I'm not there yet, but I'm working on it. But, no, I, I wouldn't like that. I, I kind of like the present arrangement where we get earnings off the permanent fund if there's a surplus. And I'd like to have a 12.5%, uh, uh, you know, I call it royalty amount because 12.5% happens to be the same <clears throat> amount that the state charges as a royalty for the to the oil companies for what they take out of the ground. So it's really a separate deal, but it is the same number, so, 12.5%, I think. So you're, you're, plus that expansion clause, if there's well, a surplus. Well, you're, you're, you're against an income tax, but you're okay with the government taking all the money up front uh, and then taxing uh, the vast majority of Alaskans uh, across the board. You're okay with that tax, uh, ignoring the law. You're okay with that tax, so you, you don't care about the rule of law. And uh, and you're okay with that tax, but you don't want any any income tax, uh, you know, one that would be regulated and and again followed by the law because you know you believe that they know better than us how we should spend our money. Is that it? Well, an income tax is a true tax. A true tax being money that a individual owns, whether they inherited it, or found it on the sidewalk, or earned it. They own it. It's in their pocket, and then the government comes along and takes a portion of that money for. For state services. So what you're saying uh, is it, what you're saying it. is what you're saying is you're okay with them breaking the law. You're okay. You're okay uh, with it with ignoring the law. That's fine with you as long as it fits your fiefdom there of what you want. That 
that you don't believe that Alaskans earn that money, so it's okay to break the law because that's what you believe. No, I don't like that. I mean, yeah, I know what the Supreme Court said, that it's okay because it's an appropriation, but no, I'm uncomfortable with the confusion and the the irritation it causes when there's a discrepancy between kind of what the law says and what's actually handed down and handed out in free cash to the people. I'm, I'm uncomfortable with that. That's why I propose, I've been proposing it over and over, that they should have a 12.5% of the 5% draw as what the yeah. PFD should but be. But you're Plus okay with you're okay with them taking you're okay with them taking the money out of the PFD as a tax. I mean, it's essentially it's a tax. It's money that they would have received, but they didn't because the government intercepted it and is spending it on something else. So you're okay with all that. You just want them to do it in your way. And again, you're okay with them breaking the law if that's what it gets to the, to be you know to the way that you see it. That that's okay. That's cool. Well, I just like I just said. Michael, I'm I'm not okay with that. It, it makes me feel uncomfortable. And but, like I say, also uh, uh, cutting back on the amount of free cash that's handed out by the government is not a tax. Just like if the federal government cuts back on the economic impact payment payment that they shipped out to everybody, and they, and if it's less this year, that's not a tax. You know, right. I refuse to take a, even a penny of that, and I have those uncashed check. No, no, I sent that. But it's back. not. But it's not. I, I mean, again, Randy. I'm. I mean. It's not free money. The state statute, and, you know, and through the Constitution and the state statute, it's not free money. It is our payment as a, as a corporate royalty share, meaning we all own it corporately. We all own it collectively. And it is our share of that. It is our, I mean, it's a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of what it is when it's all said and done, but it's our fair share. It's not free money. It's not just a government handout. But uh, you and I are never going to agree on that. So I can see as how that's a difficult. Uh, I can see that's a difficult uh, thing for you to uh, be able to uh, articulate. Uh, but I can see that you're also okay with. I mean, it may make you feel uncomfortable, but you're still okay with them breaking the law. I mean, it makes me uncomfortable, but go ahead and do it anyway. Which again makes no sense whatsoever and your idea of well we'll pay you a little bit up front and then we'll pay you any surplus if, if you just if you were listening to brad at all brad just showed us rob just said it in the chat room brad just showed us what will happen to a surplus brad just laid it out i mean again with the likes of edgmond and stedman and everybody else saying all these things there is there is going there is going to be no surplus. And like I said, unless oil hits $150 a barrel, because that's where we put a lot of that money away. Remember, we put we put a lot of the money into the Constitutional Budget Reserve during that time of high cotton. That was when they were making so much money, they were trying to find programs to spend it on. They built AstroTurf fields, for the love of God, out in places that, I mean, it, it you know spent millions of dollars on an AstroTurf field for a small, small community out in the bush somewhere, and and they were just they were looking for ways to spend that money. That was when we got the big payday from Palin when she gave us the uh, whatever she called it, the energy rebate or, or whatever it was. On top of everything else, we still managed to put away billions of dollars in the savings account, and then we managed to spend it all. So, but you know, you're okay with taking that all away from Alaskans. You're okay with taking all that money that is legally and rightfully theirs because the government already got there. Remember, the government gets 75% of all the royalties flat out. 25% then goes into the permanent fund and they get a fraction of a fraction of it on the other side and government still takes half or more. 
but you're okay. There's, there's, there's never going to be a surplus, Randy. That's not how government operates. That's not how it works. They consume all the money in sight, period. That's how they do it. That's what they do. All right. Well, we're going to uh, we're gonna we're gonna take a we're gonna take a break here. We're gonna take a break, and when we come back, we'll be talking with Chris Story, the man from Homer. We'll return in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, uh, Chris Story is going to be joining us in a second. We got one more call here. I don't know who this is. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Uh, good morning. This is Mike, and I'm calling from Fairbanks. Mike, what's on your mind? I just wanted to, well, I wanted to hear some logic from someone who applies for a government benefit every year, but then says they don't want it and tries to give it back. So I'm kind of curious why the solution isn't to not imply, apply in the first place. Well, I mean, I guess that's his thing. He wants the money split out to him, but then he wants to be shown giving it back, I guess, is the thing. I think that's that's the payoff for him is talking about how he's got the check in front of him and he's going to go do it. And, you know, I mean, look, I, I applaud the guy. He's he's stood up for different causes throughout the years, and he, he's willing to put his money where his mouth is. But, um, yeah, I've never understood that. Why would you apply for it if you don't believe it's right? You still want to get your share of it and then – I think his argument before was, well, that if he doesn't apply for it, then it gets split up amongst everybody else, and he at least wants to get his little part to get put back in the uh, in the uh, into the uh, um, you know into the general fund or whatever. Okay, well, that seems a little selfish, but thanks for the response. All right, Mike, thank you for calling in and joining us. Uh, we appreciate you being yeah. part of it today. Um, all right. Uh, we're going to um, hear from Chris Story here in just a minute. Uh, I'm sending him a text message to make sure he uh, gets uh, gets on the board here, gets things rolling this morning. Uh, meanwhile, I'm going to ask you guys to share uh, the show today. Uh, share it on social media. You've got the little button there, the little share button. And don't forget to hit the subscribe button and then ring the bell. The ringing the bell is important. Because since we've been having a problem with Facebook and we're not, you know, people aren't getting their normal Facebook notifications this morning, um, then uh, they can, uh, that's, that's the way to, that's the way to do it. Since they're not getting their normal notifications, uh, they don't know how to find it. So if you're here, go ahead and hit the subscribe button and ring the bell. You'll get the notifications when you, uh, when you go. Uh, all right, Chris Story. I uh, just want to make sure we've had so many technical difficulties this morning. We just want to make sure he's ready and uh, willing to go. Hello, are you there? Uh, ready and willing, Michael. Okay. Got attention. Good, ready. good. We're all we're all excited to hear about how to invest like a millionaire. So we can't wait to hear Excellent. what you, we can't hear what you have to wait what you have to say on that. So 
All right. Well, I'm going to put you back. for you to say. Yeah, exactly. Whatever I just said. It was perfect. Um, All right. We're going to put Chris back on hold, and we'll be back to him here in just a hot second. Uh, But, again, I will remind you that uh, hitting that subscribe button and then ringing the bell will get you the notifications when uh, when we go live. If I invest in a 401k and I make interest income, is that free money? If I buy land and earn rents on it, is it free money? No. Again, Degrees West, I don't think you could make this argument with Randy and he would understand it. Randy, he just does not, he would, he just has nothing, he cannot wrap his brain around that idea. I mean, he and I have argued about that for years on this program and uh, he just can't, he just, you know, money that he didn't work for. Didn't matter if somebody handed it down to him and somebody said, oh, here, you get this uh, you get this land and you you inherit this land and now you're going to earn rents and incomes off the land. I think he would think that that's free money uh, uh, as well. He just can't he can't wrap his brain around it. He just he just cannot see it. Uh, he, I guess he's telling you there my definition of free money, money you don't have to work for. That's called investing, money you don't have to work for. That's called dividends. I mean, not just the permanent fund dividend. I mean, like dividends are monies that you didn't have to Your money is working for you. Your investments, your assets are working for you. By definition, you didn't necessarily have to work for them. But again, he just, he he got it in his head and that's exactly how it is. And that's exactly how it's going to be in his mind. All right, we're going to continue here. We're going to jump back into it. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Again, like and share this video. Like and follow the page. Don't forget to like and follow my show page as well on Facebook. Let's uh, let's get back to it. Uh, we're uh, we're jumping back in, rejoining the radio in uh, ten seconds. The Michael Duke Show, common sense radio. Welcome back to the program. Time now for our friend Chris Story. Chris Story, the obnoxiously positive and sometimes hilarious man from Homer, joins us every week to talk about pottery, positivity, and how not to become a nihilist. We're looking at you, Eric. It's the Michael Dukes Show. That's right. How not to become a nihilist. He's actually written a book. It's uh, titled, well, similar to that. It's it's Isn't that right, Chris? I mean, it's titled similar to that, How Not to Become a Nihilist. Uh, but I think it's called Born to Live. But, I mean, it's that's kind of the theme of it. I mean, really, when it's all said and done. Mm-hmm. I think so. I, I, will, I will take that. In fact, I was going to call this segment How to Invest Like a Backyard Millionaire. And I thought, that's self-promotion. Be, it's beyond the payoff. I'm not going to do it. And yet here you are talking about my book, Born to Live, also available at ilovehomeralaska.com. Thank you, Michael. Hey, I'm only here to help, my friend. All right, so how to invest How to invest like a backyard millionaire. I don't mind you. I don't mind you doing self-promotion. I don't mind it either let's way. Do it. So let's let's hit it. Tell, give, me the, give me the rundown here. Hit me with the straight dope, Chris. What are we talking about here this morning? So I, I just wanted to share the, what I consider to be the five tips that will take you to the top. Oh, I know. Somebody just rolled their eyes. Stop it. 
put your eyes forward in the forward position. I'll turn this bus around and we'll go home. All right. So there's only so many. Why five? Why not six tips? Why not four tips? It doesn't matter. But the first tip that I always recommend for folks that are new to investing or just want to explore if it's right for them is to, to look at the return on the investment in a different way. So versus a CNBC approach or what you might read in the Wall Street Journal, I add another letter to ROI. I call it P-R-O-I, which is your personal return on investment because it's something that only you can measure every investment by. So you have your own personal metric to determine for yourself if this is an investment you wish to pursue, is it going to meet your standards and your return expectations? And that's different than other people. A lot of people ask, well, what's the rule of thumb? Well, what sort of a capitalization rate should I use and this and that? Well, that's very personal because everybody has their own their own metric. In other words, you might have a really high income and not need income from this investment. All you're doing is investing for the future. That's different than somebody who wants to invest and live off of the royalties or the rents coming in off that investment. So uh, two different things altogether. So remember the P. I put the P in your ROI, P-R-O-I. It's your own personal rate of return on your investment, period. Nobody else's. Okay. So how do we how do we factor? I mean, how do we analyze that? I mean, how do we give me some basics here? I mean, don't just leave me with it's your ROI or your personal ROI. How do I analyze that? Well, okay, let's talk about the the income. You know, passive income is is an incredible way to earn money through real estate. We're just talking about real estate, and that's what I focus. You on. mean free and money? You mean from? You mean free money? I mean that's what they're. I'm sorry, I don't mean to digress, but <laughs> I walked into that. Didn't you I? did Thanks that, a lot, that free money that it's coming in because you didn't work for that. That's right. Other money. So, but but not everybody, and this is my point. Not everybody wants a monthly income or needs it necessarily. Because remember, when you when you own an investment property. Other people are paying down your mortgage if you have one. So if you've got any debts whatsoever against that property, it's being paid down by somebody else, your tenant. And they're paying, paying the maintenance and utilities and so forth. So that investment is, is like a self-licking ice cream cone if you want it to be. Now, if you want to take some away every month, and I recommend that you have, you definitely want as much cash flow as you can possibly get. But it's not always the purpose for every single investor to take monthly income today. They may be looking down the road 5, 10, 15, 20 years. And so their rate of return might look different today than somebody who is looking for the cash flow today to live on, which, you know, again, that's where the personal aspect comes in. So it's not necessarily, I'm not giving you a tool with which to measure every investment. I'm right. saying you develop your own. Okay. This is your sandbox. This okay. is your opportunity to decide for yourself what rate of return do you want on this investment versus looking to some other expert outside of yourself for that number? Because it's okay. something that you need to personally design. All right. I got it then. Okay. P-R-O-I, R-O-I, got it. Number one. Number two, enjoy the hunt. This is all part of learning, too, what your personal rate of return could look like and deciding and defining for yourself what it looks like is hunting for properties. And it's called education. Every shot fired helps you learn more and helps you become more accurate in your measuring of investments for yourself, even if it's a miss. 
So every time we go out for a property, say Tiffany and I are going to invest in a business or a property of, of some nature, even if we miss it, we've learned and we enjoy that hunt. We enjoy talking about it. We enjoy analyzing the property together. We go look at the property together. We look at the rent schedules. We look at as uh, many of the P&Ls as we can get our hands on and analyze it. Even if in the end it's just an exercise in futility because we don't make the investment, it's not futile because we learn from it. And right. so it helps us recalibrate and figure out, okay, what do we like about it? What don't we like? Make a decision. Either we're going to move on it or we're going to pass on it. And But the enjoying the hunt, and it's not just about bagging the game every time. It's about what you learn in the process, which, again, helps you define for yourself what your personal return on investment is going to look like. And then the third aspect of, I think, investing like a millionaire is to be like water. In the words of the great words of the greatest actor that ever lived, Bruce Lee, be like water. So be flexible. Well, okay, second to Ronald Reagan, but I think that's still stipulated. <laughs> uh, be flexible. Roll with the winds of the prevailing market. That doesn't mean you get rolled over or you have to pay above market or above your definition of fair market for a property. Um, but be flexible enough that you might change your time horizons. I was just discussing this with somebody yesterday, a colleague, in fact. We were talking about how to invest in this time because in 2022, uh, prices obviously are high. Interest rates are ticking up just a little bit in the mortgage world, not, not dramatically, but enough that you think about it. And so it just means maybe if you analyze the market for yourself, you flex and say instead of a, a five-year return, I'm gonna, I'm gonna look at this through the, the lens of a 10-year return. Because cash, passive income is, as I mentioned earlier, is, is one of the great benefits of, of real estate ownership, but so is appreciation, which is phantom income. It doesn't right. exist except on paper until you go to capitalize on it later. So looking at that time horizon and going, you know, this is, this is more than I would have paid two years ago, but what will it be worth in two, five or 10 or 20 years? And then you can make a better decision. So be flexible, be like water. And then the fourth tip to the top is to buy and hold because that is what equals gold. It's not that you don't sell. Uh, we've sold a couple properties in the last several years and reinvested because we had a better use of the money that was parked here. And we felt like we'd gotten, we'd capitalized as much as possible, took the money, moved it into a new investment. So it's not that you, you never sell, but really think about it. Really think about holding because um, if you want to get rich quick, my suggestion is to buy a lottery ticket. If you want to amass <laughs> a fortune and you want to take control of your own destiny, then invest in real estate for the long term because you're talking about building a legacy and it takes time. Right. Um, so was that five? I've lost count somewhere in there. That was five? That was four, Michael. That was Fifth four. And the most important. Okay, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. I didn't. Right, I'm using I apologize. Your, I'm, I'm listening. I just lost. I lost <laughs> I'm using, track. I'm not taking I'm using, notes. Using your name to not to chastise you, but just to focus you. I'm focused. Michael. I'm I'm laser focused. Uh, number five. Fifth and most important. Yeah, I should have put this as number one, but it's your mindset. Is to see yourself as an investor, even if you don't have an investment yet. I don't care. It's be, do, then have. Become an investor in your own mind. Read the trades. You know, stay informed. Be be curious. That's one of the most important things because you may not be interested in in reading in the Wall Street Journal and Inc. Magazine, staying up on what's happening in, in Mortgage World Monthly and all the different, maybe it has zero interest to you, but you know what could be really, really beneficial to you is to simply ask somebody 
in your sphere or something you'd like to know, hey, how did you do it? What do, what do you, so like right now, anybody and everybody that is in my sphere, I am asking, what are you doing and what do you see coming? What, what are you investing for today? How are, you, how are you looking at the landscape of our current marketplace? What do you think is going to happen in the next two to five years? What do you think inflation, the impact inflation is going to have on uh, your investments and how are, you, how are you recalibrating based on that? So I'm asking everybody that I possibly can, uh, and I mean, it's an unslakable thirst for more knowledge and more information because I have the mindset of an investor. Everywhere right. I look, I'm right. seeing the world through the eyes of an investor. So that's, to me, the mindset is, is fundamental. And it comes back to what you and I talk about all the time, which is simply how you see yourself in the world will create your world. And if you right. envision yourself as an investor, then you will be and you'll win. You can't help but win over time if you see yourself as an investor. What do you say to the wannabe investor? Because I mean, I'll be honest with you. I mean, I, uh, I've, uh, you know, I've read your books. Uh, I've read, I've read the books. I've talked with you. You and I have had conversations. I've, I've picked up some of the reading that you've suggested. And, uh, and I'll be honest. I mean, one of the most intimidating things on this whole thing is that, you know, you're looking at it and the wannabe investor, especially in real estate is like, man, I, I just, I just don't know. I have to take a chance, and I know everything's a chance, but we're talking about big sums of money, like life-changing sums of money in some cases, and sometimes we're undercapitalized. We just don't have it. How, what, do you, what do you say to the wannabe investor who's, who's in that position like me who's like, I mean, I got some money, but I don't want to part with it because it's my lifeline. I mean, you know, wh- what, what do you say to people like that? I tell them a story, and it's a story about myself. Tiffany and I, when we, we owned a home, we had built it as a commercial building, then renovated it into a home, and then bought another home, but in the process thought, desperately thought, and this was about 20, 21, 22 years ago, we desperately thought, we cannot own two homes. We must sell this one as quick as possible. Now, it wasn't until the day that property closed, our original home closed, it wasn't until that day that we realized, oh, we already owned two. Oh, we already were investors, but didn't see ourselves as such. And as a result of that, we have lost, and I tell this story on my show, unashamedly, you know, I mean, I'm unabashedly, I tell this story without any shame. We've lost, to date, probably from that sale, we have lost 325 some on thousand dollars because of the appreciation lost over time in gained by somebody else right. in addition to the rent. The right. interesting thing was our mortgage payment was $700, okay? And then the rent, the day we moved out, a commercial state tenant moved in and they, their rent on that day was 1450 So it was already double what our mortgage payment was <laughs> and they did zero renovations to the property uh, for that tenant. And so long story short, over time, you know, we've lost an incredible amount of money. However, we call it tuition because it led to the mindset of an investor. And we, and we right, started buying right. two properties a year thereafter. Well, that goes back to what you said earlier with the experience and learning from it. You know, the don't, you know, you go into it and even if you don't get it, you've got experience. I mean, basically looking at this, you could say that every experience has the potential to be a learning experience at that point. Absolutely. That's the whole thing about aiming, fire, miss. Okay. Recalibrate and refire and re-aim. And it comes back to another tactic that I'll give you, which is a real, a real tactic, and it works. And all you have to do is say, look, if I'm, a, if I'm an investor, what do I need? 
Well, I need some capital. It's not one of the money myths I think that, that's most prevalent in our country, and maybe it's world around, is that it takes money to make money because that isn't true. That isn't 100% true. There's some truth to it, but with every every misnomer, there's just a nugget of truth, and then it gets expanded and it gets too it gets exaggerated. The reality is, you don't need money to make money, but you need something to leverage. So if you don't have an asset to capitalize and use as collateral, we need some money to get started. So I say, if you're an investor, you better have an investment account and you open up a separate savings account that is separate from your living and your savings. It's, it is literally called an investment account and you put something in it every single month, twice a month if you can, and you just build and build and build. And in, in the book, The Backyard Billionaire, the young guy actually builds an account of 10 grand and suddenly it's burning a hole in his pocket. And what happens thereafter? An opportunity presents itself. And so I think if you have the mindset of an investor, you will have an investment account, period. That's it. It maybe has right. $100 in it today and the next month 200 and then next thing you know, you're finding 500 here, you're putting your whatever's left of the PFD into over here and you just slowly build like a snowball effect and then you've got something to work with. Um, I mean, I, I find this whole idea fascinating and quite honestly, terrifying at the same time, uh, because it's something that I want to do, but again, it's taking those first steps. What are some good books for people to read besides the backyard millionaire, which by the way, really kind of started me mentally on this journey in a lot of ways by reading that book. Um, and, uh, and, you know, putting me in that mindset, but what other books do you recommend for people who want to find out more about this and uh, kind of help develop that mindset that you talked about. In addition to The Backyard Millionaire, I always recommend Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki and not get lost in the drama of, of him and his persona, but just the concept of how to look at money, how to think mm -hmm. about money. The other one that I, I recommend highly is The Richest Man in Babylon by George Clayson. I think that's another terrific look at money and what it can do for you as an investment uh, tool and, and how you can take control of your own destiny. Both are, are short, good reads. And then, of course, if you really want to get into strategy, then I, I highly recommend, and, and you've already picked up a copy of this, Michael, called The Buy and Hold Real Estate Strategy by David Schumacher, Dr. David Schumacher. I think <laughs> that's a great one. But also, it, it's a matter of, of who to tune out. So not right. just what to tune into, but who to tune out. you got to tune out your Uncle Henry that lost um, uh, two duplexes in the 80s in the crash of the 80s or the crash of the 70s or the crash of the 80s, 90s or the, the mid-2000s. You have to tune into the people that have done what you want to do and tune out the people that are uh, promulgating fear and spreading discontent about a whole investment class. That would be just as, if you're interested in investing in stocks, do not talk to me because all I'll tell you is, oh, I don't know that. Right. That's right. And yet people are making fortunes doing it because they understand it. Not me. I don't understand it. Right. I can't kick it. I don't like it. I can't touch it. I want real estate, but that's, so you got to tune into the right people and tune out from people that are going to try to dissuade you from living your, your fuller life. But there's nothing. And the whole premise of the backyard millionaire is essentially, if you own four homes, you essentially have a net worth of a million dollars waiting for you. If not today, over time, as those mortgages are paid off and then the, in, the values rise, um, you'll be worth well over one million. 
Uh, the Backyard Millionaire, available on Amazon and uh, ilovehomeralaska.com, and of course also on Audible, read by yours truly. It's a fascinating read. It really started getting my mind in certain directions, and I appreciate that. Chris Story, the man from Homer, thank you, my friend, for coming on board. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Glad you got your technical issues worked out. It was a lot of fun. Well, I'm sure. Well, it'll be a different number next week and then a different number the week after. I mean, it's like Russian roulette around here with that. So anyway, I appreciate you. Appreciate yeah, I you. Appreciate you coming on. Thank you, my friend. All right, folks. Well, we're out of time for this segment. We've got uh, more coming up and we're going to continue with this here in just a moment. One final segment of the Michael Duke show. Don't go anywhere. We'll return right after this don't go anywhere streaming live every weekday morning 6 to 9 a.m on facebook live and michaeldukesshow.com okay uh man that's some good stuff but i'm just i'm trying to keep track of everything um I uh, appreciate you uh, coming on board here and joining us this morning. I'm pulling down some. Uh, I'm pulling down some of my uh, my notes. I got notes, man. I got notes and notes. Uh, let's see. Uh, got that. Okay, and that's all good. Okay. All right. So we're going to uh, we're going to be talking about. <clears throat> Gonna be talking about that, and we're gonna be talking about that. I'm just pulling these notes down here so I got them all right. Okay, so you guys, uh, you guys ready to do this? The final segment of the show today. My goodness, it's gonna be crazy. My, well, what the heck? I just lost the window. Man, it just, it just, it can't get, it can't get any better. All right, it can get better. No, that's I just put it where I put it where I told you to put it. That's what I'm saying. Oh, okay, I see. Well, I'm gonna can I put it down here. No. Okay, well that's fine. We'll figure it out. All right. Um, don't forget coming up on tomorrow's show, Mike Shower is going to be our guest. Also this week, maybe on Thursday, we're going to be talking with um, we're. <laughs> we're gonna be uh we're oh my god so many pop-up windows don't send data no i'm done so many pop-up windows uh we're gonna be talking with kevin mccabe about uh, kibata and the ports i want to do kind of a deep dive on that and uh we're gonna talk with him here uh probably on thursday and then we're going to talk about the origins of the bivy stick on Thursday as well with Mike Shower on Wednesday. And then, you know, Firearms Friday stuff coming up. It's going to be good stuff. All right. So that's the that's the whole show coming up this week. What else do I got here? Okay. No lines on hold. That's good. Still got some folks in the chat room. Hey, look, there's still 30 of you talking to us up there. I like Chris's outlook says Michael, one must have confidence in the market economy, which is run by politicians, the same that seem to stay in office forever, both state and national. I'm too old to lose more money and start over again, but I like Chris's outlook. Richest Man in Babylon is an awesome book. It's been years since I read that, but man. 
Property is a great investment if you can have somebody else pay the note down, says Chris. I mean, that's the whole point, right? I mean, that's the whole that's the whole crux of now in this economy, I would think that that would be pretty pretty easy because you know, right now we're in a we're in a we're in a we're in a seller's market. Everybody's getting stuff and anybody can go out and get stuff rented. Um I'm interested in that aspect of it. In renting a property and having somebody else pay the note. That or buying property and having somebody else pay the note. That is that is the way I think to that like you said that passive freedom. And if you can come across those deals where your mortgage is x number of dollars and your rent is double that as he was saying, oh baby, that's the kind of that's the kind of money you want. That's the kind of that's sign me up for that one. I'm all about that one for sure. Um okay. Uh, why did this one go? Okay. But uh, anyway, Chris's, Chris's, uh, Chris's ideas, like I said, they've inspired me, but they also in some ways terrify me. I'd be the first to tell you that that kind of spooks me a little bit because I get worried about that kind of stuff. That's, that's how it works. All right. Um, that's it. What other stories did I have to uh, Charlie Pierce won the endorsement? We talked about that. We were going to talk a little bit about Nick Baggage. And then um, I, you know, and I didn't hear this last week that uh, Ron Gillum had a heart attack. I didn't hear about that on Wednesday. Apparently I missed, I missed that. And uh, so we're going to check in with him here shortly and see how he's doing. Um, And uh, hopefully later on this week, we'll have a little better of a, we can have a little bit of a discussion with him on that and uh, see that maybe first part of next week or middle of next week, maybe we can chat with him. To see how things are going, I think that would be a. I think that's a good thing. Um, so that's uh, that's our next go around, and uh, that'll be one of the next things we talk about. But I do have some other. I do have some other uh, news stories that we can throw in there, and I have to talk about one of our sponsors as well. So I've already got the rest of the show all wrapped up. Uh, I don't know. What do you guys think? Are we okay without Facebook for now? I don't even know how to dig down into this and fix this at this point. Um, I don't. I don't know how to fix this whole Facebook thing. I'd like to still be on there, but I don't know. I don't know what it's going to take to to break what's to fix what's broken between the different softwares or whatever. Or if it's just that I'm on timeout. Although they haven't said, like I said, they haven't told me I'm on timeout. I could be. I have no idea at this point. But it seems like most people are making their way over to uh, making their way over to YouTube. We'll have to we'll have to see how it goes. Well, okay, one final segment of the show today, and uh, that means we're opening up the phone lines full throttle. If you want to call in and join in in a conversation of anything that we've talked about today, we'd love to hear from you on the Pivotel call-in lines at 433-3150, 433-3150. Let's talk about another one of the sponsors of the program. The bivy stick. You're like, what the hell is a bivy stick? Well, 
It's a small, it's what they call an SBD device, short burst data. That's, uh, that means basically it's a little tiny device. It's about half the size of your cell phone, two inches wide by about four inches tall, that turns your cell phone into a satellite communications device. You know, and one of the things that we talk, you know, one of the things that, I mean, I'd, I'd love to have a Pivotel satellite phone, but maybe that's too rich for your blood. Maybe that's too, uh, maybe that's not in the realm of your budget. It's a little too high for you. Well, that's okay. You could still have some of that connectivity no matter where you go with a little unit, this little bivy stick that retails for $199. And they have a variety of plans from the top-of-the-line unlimited plan at $45 a month paid annually to the emergency plan, which is $17 a month paid annually. And you have a little device that is at your fingertips that will make sure that you are always in contact. I mean, look, cellular congestion is a big thing. I mean, that's where there's too many cell phones hitting a cell tower and you get busy signals, you get dropped calls, you get bad reception. Or maybe it just, you can't get through. And during a disaster, like a, the windstorm or the eight, you know, the 2018 earthquake or anything like that, cell, cell towers, I mean, they, they can go down. They can get broken. They can get blown over or have damage done to them. And they can go down. The best thing is for you is that you're with your baby stick, you're still up and rolling. And you can get things like, Weather forecast, regular weather forecast, aviation weather forecast for you pilots, uh, marine forecast for you sailors out there, for you water people, all of those things available on your bivy device. You can also track your location. You get all the, the, the maps and everything for, for the area, and you can be dropping pins to folks who are monitoring you from another location, or if you have other bivy stick users who are in your group, you guys can keep track of where everybody is. Uh, they've got this new feature, and they're constantly rolling out new features, by the way. They get this new feature called Group Track, where if you've got a group of folks who are all, you know, four-wheeling, snow machining, hiking, boating, they can all be dropping pins as to where they're at every two minutes or five minutes or ten minutes, all at no extra charge, by the way. And you can actually send a text to an individual in your group, or you can send a, a text to the entire group. Hey, found the perfect Found the perfect place to anchor for the night. Found the perfect little mooring cove or wherever. Uh, or I've got the perfect campsite. Uh, these things are amazing. They will go five continuous days of, of, bat without, uh, of usage uh, with a 10-minute tracking turned on. Five continuous days of usage without, a, without recharging. And they just give you that peace of mind. Like I said, I want to buy one for my wife, throw it in her glove box. And if anything ever happens, she needs something, she can pull it out, turn it on. She'll have the emergency plan, right, the $17 a month plan. And she can reach out to me and say, hey, I'm okay. Or are you okay? Um, I mean, if, if it's, it's, uh, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy uh, what this thing can do. And, of course, if you can see the sky, you can use it. So if you're a hunter, a fisherman, a snow machiner, a doctor, truck driver, Avon lady, soccer mom, whoever you are, you need a bivy stick. You got to find out more about it, though. You can go to SatelliteWest.com or 
You can go to one of your local dealers. Uh, that's uh, Lundy Marine Electronics in Dutch Harbor, Arctic Fire and Safety in Fairbanks, South Central Radar on the Spit in Homer, Safe and Sound in Soldotna, Anchorage, and Wasilla, Radar Alaska in Kodiak, and Communications North in Seward. They are your local Bivy dealers as well. So stop in and check it out. Only 199 no activation fees. Plus, by the way, they've got rollover. If you don't use all the features every month, if you don't have an unlimited plan, you've got rollover uh, that you can use every month. I mean, that is pretty damn slick. So go check it out uh, on our one of our local dealers. Okay, phone lines are open at 433-3150, A couple things going on around the uh, legislature. I had not heard about this. Um, I just read about it this morning in Must Read, um, and it was the fact that uh, Ron Gillum, Representative Ron Gillum from District 30 in the Kenai, apparently had a heart attack last Wednesday and was medevac from Juneau to Anchorage. Um, he was released on Saturday, and he attended the caucus meetings via teleconference on Monday. He's supposed to be back in Juneau today. So, oof. We'll try and get him on the program to talk about it, but I had no idea. So. Uh, our prayers are going out to Ron Gillum um, for you know making it through that, and then we'll see what's going on. Um, we'll see what's going on with him and get an update from him here in the next week or so. But uh, God bless him for making it through it and being back on the uh, and being back in the saddle again today. Crazy stuff. Chris Kirka, Representative Chris Kirka, who of course is a candidate for governor. We've had him here on the program. He has chosen his running mate according to the new campaign rules or the new election laws for the ranked choice voting in the jungle primaries, gubernatorial candidates must run with their lieutenant governors. They have to pick a lieutenant governor candidate and they run as a pair. Um, so Chris Kirka has announced in Wasilla that in his run for governor, he has chosen Homer resident Paul Hooper, Hooper, uh, Paul Hooper to be his running mate. Uh, he broadcasted on Facebook. Now, Paul and his wife Marilyn were the people down in Homer that had their that had their home raided by the FBI and Capitol Police in search of Nancy Pelosi's laptop. They were convinced that Marilyn was a woman that had been seen inside the Capitol. Turned out she wasn't. Um, but their whole lives were, of course, un up just upended and and uh, turned inside out. So Paul Hoyper is now running uh, for lieutenant governor on the ticket of candidate Chris Kirka. Um, I don't know what that I don't know what that means for the ticket, uh, other than uh, some people who are outraged by the uh, behavior towards the Hoypers and the way they were treated may want to uh, may want to support him in that. I don't know. I, I don't know what it ultimately means, um, but. I guess it gives us some strident lines to see where the candidates are and where everybody stands on this. So Kirk is definitely staking out the ground to the right of Dunleavy. And I think Charlie Pierce will stake out the ground maybe to the slightly to the left of Dunleavy. And if we get any other candidates in there, who knows how many candidates we'll have on the Republican side of the world by the time this is said and done. But I think we're up to what are we up to now? Six Six gubernatorial candidates. Nobody else, I don't think, has announced who their running mates are yet, but we'll find out. All right, my friends, we're out of time for today. Tomorrow, uh, Mike Shower will be joining us, The Michael Duke Show. Live well, be kind to one another, love one another. We'll see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.
Oof. It's over. My gosh, that was painful. That whole thing was painful. It's what happens when you try and set up something new. I got a new studio set up and I'm trying to work through it. That's what happens when things just break. But that's okay. Still a good show overall, I think. Um, I will see you guys tomorrow. Thanks for coming in and joining us. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense Radio. shed our terrestrial radio skin and now we are slimy lizard internet people it's the michael duke show